everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sonographers in the Cities. I'm Lynn. And I'm Giselle. It is the last Friday of August. August is ending. I cannot believe it. Can you? No, I can't. The time. It's flying. <laughs> like summer is ending. I'm yeah. kind of sad, but also excited because when fall comes, I'll be done with my program. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fun things ahead. Just a quick, you know, uh, stats for our baby podcast here. We are almost at two, no, not two, 12,000 downloads. <laughs> wow, almost. <laughs> almost. Yay. I think by next week we would be because we're at 11,900. So. Oh, wow. Thanks for, for sure. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so guys. much for listening, for tuning into all of our episodes, um, especially the recent deep dive series that we've been doing, just going into different specialties. And, you know, once a month, we ans- answer all your questions. And so today is another episode of our Q&A questions. And we have a lot of questions. I don't think we can finish them. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, guys, my throat. I just had a TEE uh, done yesterday, but uh, for those of you who follow me on Instagram, so my throat, just bear with me a little bit. Yeah, it's definitely, I remember seeing the email that said how many, we get this email that says like how many downloads we get in a certain like, I don't know if it's like every week, but it's like, it tells you how the podcast did. And it said, I don't remember, it was like four or 500 last week, but I'm pretty sure it was like one of the, highest i've ever seen i it. think you get that email i don't oh you don't this is okay. so weird because she gets just uh-huh. gets like certain emails and i get yeah. certain emails yeah so i don't know some it, i just remember seeing it this past week and telling sam and, and i was like oh my gosh babe like look look at the numbers like i'm pretty sure this is like the most we've ever had like i think it shows in a week so that was really cool and it just shows that you guys are still listening and I mean, like Lynn and I say, there's always so much we can talk about uh, in 30 minutes, but there's just a lot of different things we can talk about um, when it comes to ultrasound. And we just love talking about ultrasound. Why not do it together and with you guys? So we absolutely love doing this and we appreciate you guys supporting the channel and the podcast because we wouldn't be here really without you guys. So thank you very much. And Lynn's almost done. And I finished my MBA. So. Yes, that's a big <laughs> congratulations, Giselle. You are you. <laughs> you got your master's one yeah. step closer to where you want to be. Yeah, thank you. It's uh with time going and moving, it's just been really exciting and so many, so many more things that are coming your way. I do get a lot of questions about the MBA. Everyone's like, what are you gonna do with it? Or I didn't know you can like go into higher education and I always tell them that Lynn and I support higher education and we believe that it's, yeah it's good to have um, more opportunities and to have more doors open for you so if that's something you're interested in we'll definitely do an episode in the future but I'm just excited for the rest of the episodes that we have up until November because we still are doing a few more deep dives we're going to be doing OBGYN and MFM specialties also talk about how to handle difficult and abnormal exams. So definitely stay tuned for those. We're excited. But yeah, we definitely have a lot of questions. 
And hopefully we answer some of yours that you asked today. Ready? Can we get started? <laughs> yes. This first question said, did you ever feel like giving up while in lecture? I feel like giving up as in giving up the program or giving up. Just probably like, did you ever feel like, you know. Like demotivated? Up? Is that. You can say that's part of. That's part of being in school, right? It's like, there's, it's not going to be perfect. I don't know. I think I maybe I might be taking this like too literal like mm-hmm. in lecture because I'm imagining how lectures are and then clinicals and labs they're like separate mm-hmm. for me so should I take it that literal and say give like if I feel, ever feel demotivated in lecture however or, however you interpret okay um <laughs> well lectures it depends on the prof- professor the instructor if they're interesting I love it if they're not I don't want to be there obviously <laughs> I get really bored so there are days like that you know it's just I'd rather study by myself you know teach myself the material if lecture is not so great mm. um, if I ever feel like giving up in general during the program and stuff yes there are times and there are times I've checked out which has happens a lot last quarter and you know it's just gotta push through like I always said, it's like, just look at the, um, your end goal, because you're in here for a reason, right? So just go it day, take it day by day, and then just pursue till you reach the end goal. And yeah. that's what I did, or I'm yeah. doing. <laughs> yes, you're almost there. Look, you're pushing through. Almost, yeah. Um, yeah, the way that I kind of like when I read this question, school is not easy. And I think a lot of people feel like giving up. I think it's very common uh, to feel that way with any program or any major or anything, even in prereqs, I felt like wanting to give up when I didn't know what I wanted to be, you know? So in general, I think you'll feel, I feel everyone feels like they want to give up at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, So I could answer this question and say, yes, Uh, I just can't like pinpoint a time in ultrasound lecture where I felt like giving up because at that point when I was in that stage I was like okay I'm here like I finally made it so I need to just like push through every single day and all I need to do is pass I I don't remember feeling like I wanted to give up in ultrasound school but I do remember feeling like I wanted to give up like prior to that so in anatomy physiology like all my prereqs in math I had to retake multiple classes and at that point I was like oh my gosh I'm really like I don't think I'm gonna make it through like I just do I need to like rethink my whole life right now you know (laughs) but once you get there like you know if you're in your ultrasound lecture like you're in there for a reason you made it to your program you are you know you're doing the thing so definitely just try to be positive about it push through like Lynn says and know that feeling like giving up is not it's not um, a bad thing and just it's just your body telling you okay I need to I need to work a little bit harder um and sometimes that could be the sign for you to take a break too so maybe definitely just kind of think of it that way but know we're here for you and know there's a community out there that feels the same exact way that you may feel right now like if you feel like giving up right now message one of us and we'll help you What's the difference between pediatric sonography and pediatric echo? That's a good question. I think ultrasound in general is very confusing. So this is a good (laughs) question. Definitely. Pediatric sonography is like a term for just ultrasound that is done with kids. So pediatrics 
is usually from the ages of obviously zero days. So someone who's just born, like a neonatal like baby, and then all the way up to eight or 17. And once you're 18, you know, you're considered an adult. So from zero to 17, that's pediatrics. And sonography, obviously, is ultrasound. So that's just like everything, pediatric sonography, everything, kids, kids, ultrasound. And then when you talk about pediatric echo, that's pediatric, so zero to 17. Hearts, so ultrasound, hearts of kids. Um, And I don't do pediatric echo because I don't do echo. Pediatric echo would be the echo department, pediatric sonography, is basically ultrasound of kids. So there's general pediatrics, which is what I do. And I do everything except for the heart. So that's that's kind of the difference for that. Um, if you want to do pediatric echo, you're probably going to have to go to echo to and choose echo at an echo program, right? And if you want to do general, just like kids, pediatric sonography, that's not echo you go to a general program. So you learn everything as an, as an adult, scanning adults first, and then you do kids. People kind of ask me that, like, how do you become a pediatric sonographer? And you kind of have to just make sure you learn how to scan kids. Some hospitals do not scan pediatrics. So if you want to learn pediatrics, you have to go to a pediatric hospital or a facility that actually scans kids because a lot of times you have to have a pediatric radiologist and they don't usually they don't usually do pediatrics unless there's a pediatric radiologist or someone who's comfortable with reading children's images because it's a whole different world than adults there's different exams too like there's exams we do on kids that we don't do on adults and it's uh, that's the difference i don't know do you do kids I have not. I yeah. we only. I was have like a small exposure to it, like pedo echo, pediatric mm-hmm. echo, and obviously I'm learning adult echo. And I know that with echoes alone, amongst adult pediatric and you know fetal, like the views are different, mm-hmm. um, windows are different too. So I mean, mostly the views are different. So it's very different yeah. amongst itself. Yep. <laughs> so it's super yeah. complicated. Yeah. Complicated difference. So if you want to do mm-hmm. kids, if you want to scan kids, make sure you try to uh, work or train in a pediatric hospital. Um, some of our outpatient places out here in Vegas do pediatrics, but a lot of them will refer them to an actual pediatric specific place. So yeah, you have to get experience in that and train in that. And not everyone does. So yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay, next question. This one, we, we get asked a lot of SPI questions, but it, they said, should I take SPI before or after clinicals? I took mine during clinicals because I had um, two quarters of clinicals and then left. took my SPIs and then two quarters of clinicals after. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say it's, you know, every curriculum is different. Mm-hmm. And um, my curriculum just makes me took mine during my clinicals. And it all depends on like how or when you finish the physics class, when you finish the mm-hmm. SBI class, because I don't know, it's like it depends on your curriculum and also mm-hmm. depends on personal preference if you want to take it when, you know, when you feel that you're ready. Yeah. 
Yeah. So if you feel like you're ready before clinicals, take it. Do it. If you feel like you're not ready yet and you you're, you want some time, take it after clinicals. But then remember that once you do clinicals, you're probably going to be really busy. And I'm not sure how much time you're going to have to study. A lot of times I've seen people who, for example, in my program, our clinicals are five days a week. Like, where are you going to study in that time? Because you're going to be so tired. But if you have clinicals that are like three times a week or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you have time to study, then okay. Like, if you want to wait, you know, see if you can understand physics a little bit better because you're actually scanning. Um, I took SPI before and after clinicals. And I'll say that I preferred it after because I understood physics a lot better after clinicals. But that was just me. So if you're ready to take it before, go ahead. If you want to wait till after and you have time to study, do that. It's up to you. <laughs> you just got to know yourself. Yep. And obviously, you know how your the curriculum is and the program is. How can you get hired quickly? And any tips for interviews? We did an episode on this. Yes. It was episode 29. 29. Wow. And how today- to prepare for clinicals and job planning. Can't believe that was that was a while ago. Today we're on episode like forty something, forty eight. Yes. So yeah, go back to some of our old episodes if you want. We do talk about specific things for the whole entire episode, so definitely uh, we can talk a little bit about it real quick. But the most important thing when you are about to try to get a job and you want to get hired, quote unquote, quickly, you should try to get a job at your clinical site. And I think that's your best way and best bet to get hired quickly. Now, if you're trying to work somewhere else, I think you have to have a connection or a network or someone that's like, hey, I know this person. Can we hire them? You know, and and you get a good word in for you. So I think networking and talking to other people, I'll tell you how many of the the people that I've seen in the last two years who were students, who became sonographers, and who are now saying, hey, do you want a job? Anyone want a job? We're hiring. Like their job is hiring. And I'm like, oh my gosh, look at all these students or prior students. And now they're workers. And now they're looking for more workers. Like, (laughs) and I know all of them. And so if I wanted to work somewhere in Texas, or if I wanted to work somewhere in like North Carolina, Chicago, wherever, I could literally just be like, hey, I'm planning on moving out to Chicago. You got a job opportunity for me. And then that's, I think that's how quick it can happen. If if you know someone, if you have connections, and obviously you have to, for your interviews, just be yourself and show your passion, show your experiences, show that you're willing to work. And I think people really need people right now. And you know, what's a good uh, resource for looking for jobs in different locations, not in your if you're looking to move and all that stuff um just our discord group mm-hmm. community as well as her facebook because yeah. i constantly see people posting um job openings in their area and other areas mm-hmm. so yes hit just out up for <laughs> access <laughs> yes you can um message me or one of our moderators so it's actually really cool because our community, they're very much so like, we're all good friends. We talk all the time. We help each other out. If you have a question, you know, they'll answer. Um, we support each other and we have job listings on there. And if I ever see anything on Facebook, like I'll post it in there. And there's just so much opportunity 
out there. So how can you get hired quickly? You have to just be consistent. You have to know someone. You have to definitely stand out in an interview and prove to them that you are someone they're looking for. And I think that's the most important thing is to network and make sure you stand out on the interview because that's how you get a job quickly. Uh, everyone's hiring right now. It's a very, I think, hot field because everyone is in dire need for sonographers. A lot of people are looking for people who want to work. So all you got to do is really prove that you're capable and that you want to work. And hopefully you can get a job quickly. Very well said. What are the top five most common exams you perform on a daily basis? Well, I think like that's, is that easy for you? If you're an echo person? <laughs> How many well, go is just <laughs> just one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the know. same protocol and, you know, you do your echo. Yeah. And then there's the other kinds, but I don't is there five different exams for echo text like no. Like TEE probably one of them. TEE bubble study um, is that but that's that's more like specialized. Oh, is it? Cuz echo is just like routines and if there's any pathologies you investigate. You know, okay. obviously, you evaluate everything. Mm -hmm. It's not like vascular where you can just um, specifically do like insufficiency or just arteries and veins. What's your uh, oh, what's the five most common exams for vascular? Carotids is one. Mm -hmm. DVT is two. Mm -hmm. Renals is three. Mm -hmm. Lower arterial. Um, how many is that? That's four. That's four. <laughs> Arms five. No, arms, is common arm, for you guys? arms is oh, arms most common is um, fistulas. Oh, mm -hmm. So like evaluating fistulas, and the other one is pseudoaneurysm check. I always forget about pseudoaneurysms because I I barely get them. But yes, at my site we we did yeah. at least one every day. Oh wow! Oh, my God, I, well, I've sense. never seen a positive. So oh, I see lots yeah. of positives. A majority of the time when they order them, they're pretty positive. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, geez, geez, guys. I think <laughs> for the site that I was at, the they request pseudoaneurysm check like for every patient. Okay, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Just you like want to check, to check yeah. make sure before they go home or something. Mm -hmm. um, for me as a general sonographer, obviously, I scan everything, right? So top five things I'll probably say is our orders that they order all the time which are like obviously abdomen for vomiting or abdominal pain. They always want to check the gallbladder or the kidneys. Um, number two would be DVT studies in the legs because literally everyone has pain or swelling in the legs. Number three would be, I think, probably pelvics because a lot of people come to the ER for vaginal bleeding. Number four would be pregnancies. Because also a lot of people come to the ER because they're bleeding and pregnant or they're having pain and pregnant or they just want to see the baby, which is really? not a valid reason. Yeah, not a they valid do reason. do that? Mm -hmm. Just like, yeah. hey, I'm pregnant, walking to the ER, can you scan me? That's what a lot of people do that because like they can't get into their OBGYN right away. Um. Uh, but you have to have a valid reason to get an ultrasound in the ER. So it has to be like vaginal bleeding or pain. So. A lot of times, so like, would oh. they get turned away if they don't have any like symptoms mm -hmm. or indications? That's why they just say there are. You know? oh. That's and that's what you'll see memes in the or videos 
on Instagram or social media that are like, you just came to the ER to see your baby and your or posts where people get mad because that's not an emergent situation, mm-hmm. but that happens all the time. So, you know, it's kind of like a, I wouldn't say it's a waste of an exam. You know, we get paid whether we mm-hmm. do the exam or not, but it's just something that we see all the time happen in the ER. Uh, and it sometimes it frustrates sonographers because they're like, um, there's like, a very very stat ultrasound that needs to be done but then someone's here to just see their baby with no symptoms or whatever so but that's very very common (laughs) and i think the fifth one would probably be no renals i'm surprised or is renal part of abdomen i kind of combine that with abdomen Mm, because but we don't get a lot of stat renals like because they're not stat like renals usually are not stat they're not considered stat but I, I kind of combined it with abdomen because of flank pain and kidney stones. So yeah. pain. I think the last one would probably be carotids because a lot of people fall or um, pre-op carotids or stat too. So I'm thinking about common exams on a daily basis. These are stats in the ER that happen and they order all the time. It's like at night, there's like all pelvics and all pregnancies. Oh my gosh. Abdomens <laughs> and legs. So yeah. We, we literally scan everything as far as like general goes too, on a daily basis. You scan everything every day, especially if you're at a busy hospital. But I've heard of some places that aren't as busy, so they, they don't see them as often. But we get a lot. Pediatrics, though, the very mo- the, I think one of the common ones are appendix intussusception. Mm. Those are very common because kiddos always have constipation or pain and they'll always be like well is it the appendix or is it the bowel there's something in the belly obstructed you know so those are very common in pediatrics that's very cool mm-hmm. so we have way more variety i think than echo but you know echo stays really busy because it's had, complicated yeah, yeah you're literally like the heart is a complicated organ in itself just be prepared to scan anything last question how do you stay positive if you're, you've got a bad clinical site? Oh, my gosh. Have you ever had a bad clinical site? Well, I don't know. You're still still. I don't know if you want to say. <laughs> I, I would say I've had not so great, great cl- clinical sites. Um, how do I stay positive? Like I said earlier, this episode is just push through one day at a time. That's it. <laughs> look, I just look at my end goal. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's something you can't really control unless you can ask for a new clinical site. Mm-hmm. I, I would say stand up for yourself and, um, you know, get valid reasons, ask for a clinical uh, request for a different clinical sites or anything that you can. Because I did that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I actually had somebody in this group recently who said they have uh, their site is a little bit difficult. There's a bunch of them at one site. Um, it's not very busy, so they don't get a lot of scanning time. And it's honestly very difficult to learn if you don't have scanning time and mm-hmm. if you don't practice because uh, this field is a hands-on learning field. You need to be able to scan, scan, scan. You won't pick up skills if you just scan one and then... I don't know, in a few hours, scan another one. You have to constantly be holding the probe, scanning, learning, tweaking. Every patient is different. So, you know, if you have a bad clinical sign, you have to try your best to to put the initiative in there and ask 
who's ever there, if you can scan, if there's anything you can do, tell them that you really want to um, learn. And obviously keep your head up. You know, if, if you're there the whole entire time, I would ask your school and bring it up to them if you can. If there's any way you can get a different site, um, if there's absolutely no way that you can, just really try your best to get that scanning time in um, and connect with others in the community, like I said, because we can help you get through that and talk about it, give you ideas and just push through. I know it's hard, um, but that's so unfortunate, I feel like, because I think clinical sites should understand that it's important. You know, we want to make sure that we have good sonographers in the future and we want to make sure that there's enough experience behind a new grad to get a job. And it's very defeating if you don't feel that way when you are about to graduate. But it's very few and far between where I see people complain about their clinical sites. Um, but if you are unfortunate and have one of those, definitely try to bring it up to your uh, school. Whoever, whoever is there. I totally agree with what yourself said. And that's, you know, that's what I did for my previous clinical site as well. You know, just be open, uh, just have that open communication with um, the clinical director or your program director and try your best to advocate for yourself and see if they can put you in a different place. And if they can't, um, which is what my situation was, you know, you just have to power through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hope that it's like someone or somewhere that where you can rotate during clinicals. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I actually was at one place the whole entire time. So, you know, but I have noticed in my program that some people had to move clinical sites and, you know, my director did everything she could to move people around if they needed to. Yeah. So if you need to, they will help you just kind of, got to stand up for yourself, especially you are paying for your school. And you're paying mm -hmm. for this, so you need to to bring it up and see if you can get the experience that you deserve. And make sure you talk to the clinical site too, like if if, if you're if you're able to, because I know some situations are difficult. But yeah, stay positive. I know it's hard, <laughs> but there's a lot of jobs out there, so we need you guys. We need you, and I think yeah, that would be definitely. it. Yeah, that, I think that wraps up. We have a couple mm -hmm. more questions. So we'll continue these questions for mm -hmm. September Q&A. Mm -hmm. And um, that will wrap up for this episode. Thank you so much for watching, listening. If you are watching this on Giselle's channel on YouTube, don't forget to comment, subscribe, and like the video. <laughs> and if you're listening to this on any podcast channel, please hit the subscribe button and leave and rate us. Leave a review if you can. I've seen um, some of you have added or wrote your reviews or rate us. And I just want to say thank you so much because we do read it. We do see it. And we wouldn't be here without you. Yes, you guys. Thank you so much. And we'll see you in September. Next week. Yes. <laughs> All right. For another deep dive. Mm -hmm. For those of you who are just starting school or are trying to get into school, you know, good luck. And Oh, yes. It is the hard. beginning of the fall yep. quarter. Yes. Mm -hmm. Good luck to around. 
I'm getting a lot of messages. Yes. <laughs> so the new academic year. Woo-hoo. Mm-hmm. We can do this. Yes, we can. And stay tuned for more episodes. We got a lot coming your way. So we'll see you guys in the next one. Thank you. Bye bye.